Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Good morning, guys. Welcome. My name is Maddie. Thank you all so much for being here with us today. If you are a first-time guest, we are so glad that you're here. If you're not, I'm so glad that you came back. You guys don't get enough credit. Um, We would not be City Church without you, so thank you for being here, too. I am so grateful for this opportunity today, grateful for a church and a community that's just so encouraging and supportive. I love getting to do this, to be up here, share some truth and encouragement with you guys, so thank you. With that, I am super excited for what we're digging into today. This series has been both empowering and challenging, and I'm so grateful that we get to explore this um, together in community and learn alongside one another. This idea of being a witness to the life of Jesus is probably not new to a lot of you, no matter what your background is. If you've been in or around church, you've probably heard something about this mission of sharing what we believe with others. Um, Now, whether that was done in a healthy way or not, I'm not sure, but that's been one of the goals for this series is to rework some of the things that you've maybe learned or the ideas that we carry around living on mission, being a witness, sharing the good news about Jesus with others. Something we've always valued here at City Church is living on mission. If you were around here a few years ago, we went through a series called The Art of Neighboring, where we spent a few weeks just talking about how to intentionally engage with the people around us in a practical way. If you've ever gone through growth track, like Drake was talking about, we talk about the 5% life, and one of those elements is called getting out, essentially living on mission, where we live, work, and play. For myself, personally, I think this calling to share Jesus with others is something I learned very early on after giving my life to Jesus. I can't remember when or who, where or what, but I knew that it was on my heart um, and mine that I simply wanted my family and friends to know the God that I just put my faith in. It wasn't a have to at that point, it was a want to, a get to. Somewhere along the way, though, I did lose that desire, that pull as a new believer to invite others into what I was experiencing in this newfound hope and relationship that I had. My faith became more personal and introspective, maybe because I wasn't having much um, success. I started to believe that it wasn't for me or I didn't know what I was doing. Life also got hard and messy and it just wasn't as big a priority anymore. I was just trying to hang on to Jesus myself, that the idea of sharing him with others was something I was open to, but not actively seeking out. And for a long time, I lived in that space of if God wants to use me, he can, but it definitely was not a priority. And I share that all because I don't know where you're walking in today, and maybe you resonate with some of those thoughts and feelings. And my hope is that this series will break down some of those barriers in your heart and mind, that this would start to feel more attainable to you. This is not a unique calling to me or to Drake, whoever. We'll look at the Bible here in a bit, but this is something that Jesus calls each and every one of us to, to be a witness. It's a beautiful calling, and today we're talking about practically how do we live that out. 
So this last year or so for me, God has turned my world upside down with this conversation. It started with going to India last year, being on the ground, doing missions work, sharing the gospel with people. It was the Holy Spirit series last year where God invited me to hear from him in new and incredible ways. It was going through a disciple-making training, reworking what it means to make disciples who make disciples, and specifically what it means to love God, and that's what we're gonna be talking about today. I do wanna lead with transparency. This is something I'm still learning and growing in, something God is still teaching me how to do well. My prayer the last few months has been that this would transform from something that I try to do into who I am. That's my prayer for this series, my prayer for today, that proclaiming the gospel with our life and our lips would not be something that we do, but become who we are as followers of Jesus, would be the natural overflow of loving God and our relationship with him. With that, let's get into it. The core passage for this series has been out of Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, essentially the command um, from Jesus to be a witness. For context, this is after the resurrection, Jesus comes back and appears to his disciples. This is the last thing he tells them to do. Verses 18 through 20 says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So a couple things here. I wanna define that term disciple as we're talking about what it means to be a witness. At the core of that is this command from Jesus to make disciples. So a disciple of Jesus, and if you guys have been coming around for a while now, you can probably say this in your sleep, means, we have that on the screen, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. To be a follower of Jesus or a disciple is a noun, not a verb. It is who we are, not something that we do. And so our conversation today in this series as a whole is all about equipping us with tools for how to live out this command. I also wanna address that word obey before we go any further. That's gonna be a big idea during our time today and throughout this series. That's not the nicest word, not always easy on the ears. It can sometimes feel uncomfortable or create almost a defensive posture in us when we hear it. And I was trying to process why we don't like that word obey. And I think it's simply because man, like humans, broke the meaning of that word abused it, intended it for harm, to force others into doing what they wanted and usually things that are harmful to us. Submit is in that same lane, just the idea of being controlled. But Jesus intended the idea of obeying his commandments for good, for our good, to lead and guide us into the best possible life. He actually says, obey or follow my commands so that you may experience great joy and an abundant life. It's amazing to explore God's commandments and just to know how intentional they are to create the best life for us and those around us. So this last year for me has been above all a season of learning how to obey God. And with that comes this idea of loving God. Let's look at this passage, John chapter 14, verses 15 through 27. I won't read all of this, but we'll skim through just some of the things that Jesus promises us here when we follow his commandments. So he starts in verse 15 by saying, if you love me, obey my commandments. What comes next? Then I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. 
He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So he promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus promises, again, that he will be with us. Later, he says he will make his home in our hearts, and he finishes this passage by saying, in verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. I share this with you guys to introduce the idea that to love God means to obey him. In his mind, to God, to love him means to obey the commandments that he gave us. And again, it's not just to obey for the sake of obeying. Jesus tells us to obey with a goal in mind for our good and the good of the people around us and ultimately to give him the glory. Let's look at another passage, John chapter 15, verses 5 through 17. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me. How have you read that before? I used to read that to mean silence and solitude, right? Being with God, reading the Bible and praying. That's a big part of it, don't get me wrong. Part of obeying God is in being with him. But he says later on in this passage, in verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And what does he promise here? When we obey. Guys, this is so good. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow continues, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. So he remains with us. We will bear much fruit, showing ourselves to be his disciples. Our prayers will be answered. Christ's joy will be in us. Our joy will be made complete. The Greek for this command to go in verse 16 literally means to go into the world. It's a commission from Jesus and his command, love one another. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, this is the great commandment. When Jesus is asked, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? He replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He says a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So what does it mean then, to love God? Well first, what does it mean to love? I looked up the definition in the dictionary just out of curiosity, and the dictionary definition of love is an intense feeling of deep affection. Thinking about that, knowing what I know about God, I really doubt he would command us to have a feeling. It's not even possible to force a feeling. I hear Robin Williams' voice as the genie and Aladdin in the back of my mind when he's like, I can't make anybody fall in love with anybody else. Even he wouldn't do it. Anyway, knowing what I know about Jesus, I just don't think that's how he works. So what does it mean then? Well, Paul gives us a definition in 1 Corinthians. I think many of you are familiar with. Let's look at that. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. 
It does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now, while this definition was given as a guide for how to love people well, I think it could be argued that to love God is to love people. And maybe why Jesus said it is equally important that the way we show our love for God is through loving others. And bottom line here, guys, is that love is active. I don't see anything about feelings of deep affection here. And that's not to say that's not a part of it, but probably a result of loving people that way, not what comes first. First John says that this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. When Jesus says, love others the way I have loved you, I think he means that his love for us was active, is active. And if our job is to be like him, it makes sense that what he asks of us is the same, right? My hope for today is that you can look at this command to love God and people through the lens of being a witness. That if Jesus' command for us was to make disciples and teach them to obey, when we think about loving God and loving people, that is not optional. It's non-negotiable. And loving others through how we treat them is how we have to start, absolutely. We have to walk the walk, but it could be argued, and this is what we're talking about today, that sharing the good news about Jesus with someone is the most loving thing we can do for them. In fact, you could say that it is unloving to not share Jesus with them. If we truly believe what we claim to believe as followers of Jesus, that Jesus is God, that God is a good, that we are invited into unconditional love, joy, and peace, that heaven is real, that an eternity with God or without him is what's at stake, how can we not share? And guys, I know that this isn't easy. Like I said, the series has been challenging. I know it's uncomfortable and hard, but we are called to be uncomfortable because the person on the other side of the conversation is worth it. Jesus gave up his life for us. This is our way of giving up our life for his. So how do we do this? Where do we start? Well, when Jesus gave the great commandment in Matthew, he was quoting from a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. It says this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. He continues, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. This first word here in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, is the Hebrew word shema, which is translated as hear or listen, but to the Jews, it was not merely to hear, but to hear and obey. This section in Deuteronomy is essentially pointing to a life saturated with God, where he is everywhere and in everything that we do. Think about it, when the author here says, write these commands on your doorposts, who walks through your door? You do, (laughs) and everybody else that's coming or going. He says, wear these commands on your forehead as a reminder, who sees your forehead? Everyone that you come into contact with. And this is not meant to be taken literally, so don't go home and write Deuteronomy 6.4 on your forehead, but it does mean people should see God through the way that you live. It means love people. The world will know you are my followers by the way you what? Love one another. 
So practically, what does a life saturated with God look like? I looked up this definition too of saturated, and it literally means holding as much water or moisture as can be absorbed, thoroughly soaked. Or for my chemists in the room, containing the greatest possible number of hydrogen atoms, and so having no carbon-carbon double or triple bonds. I know what that means. Somebody in here gets that. All right, Sage, let's go. Anyway, imagine, guys, I love this imagery. You are a sponge. God is the water. To live a life saturated with God is to be so full of the love of God that all that can come next is to drip God out into the world around you. And that's the idea that I want to introduce to you guys today from this passage is that we, being witnesses to the life of Jesus, should constantly drip God where we live, work, and play with our life and our lips. Another helpful definition of dripping God could be to be intentional with your actions and your words to point people to the life of Jesus. It's serving people. It's loving them well. It's meeting people where they are and connecting everything back to God. More specifically, and the practice I want to invite you guys into this week is seeking out ways to connect and engage with people and drip God in a practical way. This can look like so many different things, so I'll just give you a few examples. Um, One way can look like serving someone through an act of generosity and then giving God the credit. Give you an example. A while ago, one of my good friends had the opportunity to take some soup over to her sick coworker. He knew she was a Christian. They'd had some conversations about God, but nothing ever really came from that. Um, When she dropped off the soup, though, and he said, thank you, instead of saying, you're welcome, or no problem, or my pleasure, you know, if you work at Chick-fil-A, whatever it was, she said, I'm grateful to God to get to serve you. That's it. And what's so crazy awesome is that the Holy Spirit used that to start conversations, and he's been going to church with her and her husband. God used that action paired with that statement to open a door. She dripped God and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Another way is to just be intentional in your daily rhythms where there could be opportunity to drip God. Um, Just a few weeks ago, I was walking my dog around our neighborhood, something I do every day. Um, And instead of putting in my headphones and avoiding conversation with everyone that I came across, I went into that time expectant and ready to meet someone if there was someone that God wanted me to connect with that day. God used that. I got to meet this incredible woman, have a conversation. We swapped numbers and got coffee the next day. That day, God opened up a door for me to share my story and to ask and listen to hers. I remember her saying to me it was so nice that someone just wanted to have a conversation with her, especially in Boulder where most people look the other way. In that simple way, I was intentionally showing that I cared, wanted to get to know her, while also trusting God and dripping him into the conversation. So guys, this does not have to look like walking up and down Pearl Street, asking people if you can share the gospel with them. I was thinking about that meme where it's like, have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? No, that is not what we are trying to do here. Not to say that if the Holy Spirit leads you to share the gospel with someone you just met, that you shouldn't. Guys, this is all about the unforced rhythm of hearing and obeying. My go-to coffee shop here in Boulder is Verb, up here in North Boulder. Best cup of coffee around, I think. Don't come after me. I know we have a lot of coffee lovers in the room. But after my many, many visits, I've gotten to know the owner there. Her name is Mary. And each time I walk through the door, 
I get to engage in conversation with her. We've never had an in-depth spiritual conversation, but I get to show up, spend way more money than I probably should, but I rationalize, you know, doing it for the kingdom, meeting God at the coffee shop. (laughs) Just kidding. But I do get to invite her to Easter or community nights, um, and maybe if we never have that in-depth spiritual conversation, I know that she knows that I love Jesus, and I care about her because each time I walk through the doors, I'm asking her how her weekend was or the last 24 hours since I saw her. But it's not up to me to decide what she needs and when. I'm called to love her and care for her and let God do the rest. So guys, this does not have to be weird or intimidating stuff. In fact, I know that some of you guys do this stuff really, really well. I am constantly amazed by this community's generosity and giving time, energy, and resources to people in need and caring for and loving others really well. And that's so good. But Jesus does call us just one step further to be bold in sharing why we do what we do because of the God we believe in. Before I even knew about some of this stuff, I had a roommate in college. Her name was Lauren. Um, She was not a Christian when I met her, and without really knowing what I was doing, I was unintentionally dripping God into our conversations and our time together. She started asking me questions, coming to church, and a few summers ago, I got to baptize her in Boulder Creek. And while that's incredible that God did that and used me in that way, the point of sharing that in today's conversation, in this series, is to learn how to move that unintentional space to one that is intentional and just see what God does with that. And guys, for each story that I have of someone giving their life to Jesus or engaging in spiritual dialogue, I have way more that nothing really came of it, and that's okay. Just last week, I was subbing for a preschool class, and I had the opportunity to drip God into the conversation um, with one of the other teachers. I think I was talking about Easter or something, and you know, she nodded her head and quickly changed the subject, and that was okay. Jesus defines success as faithfulness to the process. It's a slow drip, not a heavy pour. We might not always see the fruit of the seeds that we plant, and that's okay. Again, it's all about being faithful to the process and trusting that God is going to use each moment that we choose to be bold. One more story. My friend Harmony, I've known her for about 12 years now. I've been praying for her since I became a Christian eight years ago. We've had spiritual conversations over the years, but nothing really happened from that. She was always open to listening, but kept God at an arm's length for a really long time. And then in November, I'm introduced to the prayer calendar that Drake talked about last week. Start reaching out, praying for her over text once a month. Conversations get more meaningful. She starts sharing some harder stuff over time. And then this last month, with all this stuff on my heart and mind, I feel led by the Holy Spirit to call her. It was a crazy phone call. Got to share the gospel with her. Got to listen to just all this really hard stuff that's been going on in her life. She's in a really dark place and in boldness. I just share what I know about God in that moment. I don't try to hide the hope that I have or disguise God in that conversation. I just share what I know and how God has showed up for me. The following Sunday is Easter. She watches online at City Church the same day she reaches out to a friend who works at a church in Nashville where she lives and is planning on going to church for the first time in, I don't know, forever. (laughs) And so guys, I can't take credit for any of this. None of this happened because I willed it to happen. None of this happened because I got my junk together and wasn't struggling with anything. In fact, some of the times that God has used me in some pretty big ways, I was feeling at my worst. 
And I don't know why that is, maybe to just remind me that it's not about me, that I have a part to play to be obedient in a moment, but only God does this work in people's hearts and minds. His timing, not ours. His power, not ours, but we are absolutely invited to be a part of it. Now, something I want to point out is that it is never our goal to be pushy, to force conversations, but simply be obedient, to hear and obey. It's not about getting people through the doors of city church either. We say it all the time here, but someone is more likely to give their life to Jesus at your kitchen table than at a Sunday service. And that's not to say God can't use this space because he absolutely can and does, but he also wants us to meet people where they are. People are also not our projects. It's not about how many people we can convert. That's so weird, guys. It's about loving and caring for people and out of that relationship, desiring for them to know God the way we do, to experience the freedom, unconditional love and grace and hope that we know in a relationship with Jesus. So people are not your projects. That's not how Jesus pursued people. It's not how we are supposed to pursue them. He says love people serve them, and share who he is through your life and with your lips. So with that, guys, this absolutely starts with having a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Remember, be with Jesus. Become like him. Do what he did. That's not necessarily a one-step-at-a-time thing. I work on being with Jesus every day, and I'm constantly being shaped to look more like him. But doing what he did does start with knowing him and knowing our why. To hear from God, we have to spend time with him and get to know his voice, give him the room to speak. And with that, learning to obey is so much more than just a list of do's and don'ts in the Bible. Guys, we are invited into hearing from the Holy Spirit what he wants to do through you in a moment and acting on it. Remember from John 15, love God, obey his commandments. He promises the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite passages out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 says this. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Many of you know that a yoke is designed for two animals to share a load or joined as one to accomplish a task. And just that imagery of taking up a yoke with Jesus, him shouldering the burden with me, step by step walking with him, this becomes less and less daunting and simply choosing to come to Jesus, to first find rest in a relationship with him and then to join him in helping others find the same. Jesus' first invitation is always come, follow me. His disciples were with him for a while before he sent them out. His first desire for me and for you is to know him and to know that we are seen and known and loved by him and then to share that love with others. Something I do want to be careful of though is to not uh, make excuses for ourselves, either that we're too new to faith or don't know enough about the Bible or think you're not gifted in sharing Jesus with others. Maybe you feel so messed up or stuck in sin that you can't possibly try and share this with anyone else. Whatever it is, guys, I have to believe those are lies. And I'm not pointing the finger, okay? I've been there. I'm not saying that no matter what you're going through, we don't care, God doesn't care, just go make disciples, no. We are for you, Jesus is for you. It simply comes down to not letting ourselves make excuses that aren't valid or legitimate. And I say that to say, I know this isn't easy. 
And guys, there's a reason. We have an enemy. And just like how spending daily quality time with Jesus is so consistently challenging because the enemy wants to attack that space for me and for you, I promise you he does not want you sharing Jesus with anyone else. In the Old Testament, Christians were killed, persecuted, put in prison for trying to make disciples. While we don't necessarily have to fear that, we do live in an unchurched Western society that tends to look down on Christianity and believing in God. And so I'm not trying to ignore that fact. What I do know is that I believe in Jesus. I believe in who he says that he is and what he did for me. I believe that he lived a sinless life and chose to die for me. I believe he is creator, sustainer, and I believe he is good. I believe that he is all that matters, that in him I have everything that I will ever need. I know that we live in a broken world and I know that I have a calling and a mission on my heart as a follower of Jesus to share his life with the people around me because it's just too important not to. And that person on the other side of the conversation is too valuable to God not to. God is greater than our fears, but that doesn't mean he doesn't see them. So bring your fears to him. Let him lead and guide you into what this looks like for you. Don't do this because Drake and Maddie told you to. Guys, it has to come from a place of wanting others to know the freedom, relationship, purpose, identity, and salvation you have found in Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room today, God has changed your life and you have a story to tell. At the start of every semester of city groups, we spend time developing our stories, your life before Jesus, what happened when you met him and all that he's done since to equip us to share it with others. And so the good news, guys, there is you don't, it doesn't matter how much you know. Matthew 10, verses 19 through 20, Jesus says, as he's sending out his disciples to share the gospel, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time, for it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your Father speaking through you. All we have to do is make the decision. Choose boldness. Choose to trust that God knows what he's doing and open our mouths. All we are called to is to be available and start the conversation. So if fear of thinking that you don't know enough is uh, the issue or won't know what to say when the time comes, speak this verse over yourself. We can raise the sails, but we can't bring the wind. We can't control how people will respond. Jesus does the work in people's hearts that our words and actions cannot accomplish, but he absolutely wants to use us to introduce people to who he is and lead them to hearing in obeying God. Dripping God in this series of equipping us to be witnesses is all about raising the sails. We can't do this in our own strength. We can't bring the wind, but we can prepare for it. We can't produce life change, but we can cooperate with what God is already doing. God isn't asking you to bring him into your workplace, your neighborhood, your family. He's already there, and he wants you to join him in what he's already doing. Some of you may be here today and are feeling spiritually just disconnected. You're craving passion for Jesus and the kingdom. You don't have that fire inside of you that maybe you've had before or want to experience. Maybe you're asking just to want to want God. Maybe you're even trying to connect with God through silence and solitude, pursuing that space, but nothing's happening. I know that feeling. I've been there many times. Like, what am I doing wrong? I want to invite you today to pursue the idea that maybe you're feeling that way because you're not raising your sails. 
meaning that maybe to have a deeper intimacy with Jesus, we have to share what we know and believe with others. I can tell you from experience that the most surefire way to get excited about Jesus is to share him with others. It's impossible not to. We get to share this good news, and it is good news, guys. So with that, and before we close, um, I want to look at the life of Paul for a minute. This guy gave his life to spreading the good news. Throughout Paul's ministry, his greatest priority was sharing the gospel and making disciples. And if you're like me, I've always put this guy on kind of a pedestal, like his lifestyle is out of reach, that God wouldn't use me to do the stuff that he did through Paul. But in reality, Paul was an ordinary guy. He was a tent maker by trade, just making a living like the rest of us. All that's different is that when God changed his life, he decided he was going to give his life to help others find the same. When Jesus said of all the commands, the most important is to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. How do you read that? All of my heart, soul, and strength. I think Paul lived it out. He loved people well through humility and kindness and acts of service and generosity along the way, but this was the pinnacle for him of loving God and others. His life was saturated with God. And out of the overflow of that, he gave his life to making disciples. And if anyone was disqualified, it was Paul. He said it in 1 Timothy 1, 15. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. And yet God chose to use him as an example of his grace. But it also had to be Paul's decision, and he chose to say yes. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, Paul quotes from the book of Joel, saying, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Paul goes on to say, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's it. So, what do we do with all this? Well, here's some application for you guys this week. I simply want to invite you to put this into practice, dripping God where we live, work, and play. You're going to get a handout today. looks like this. I know you cannot possibly read the little text right there, but you can read it on your way out the door. Um, sometime today, when you get home, plan ahead this week. Think about the areas where you live, work, and play. Come up with some ways where you can intentionally create space to drip God. Maybe it looks something like my friend's story of serving someone with some soup or cookies, and when they say thank you, dripping God, giving him the credit. Maybe it's at your climbing gym. We've got a lot of climbers in the room. You meet someone that's climbing by themselves and invite them to climb with you, and you start to talk about your weekend, that you went to church, and maybe that opens a door. Maybe it's walking your dog in your neighborhood and finding someone else who likes dogs. It's not hard. <laughs> Starting a conversation with them, ready to drip God. Guys, I know this is super broad. It's meant to be because dripping God can happen anywhere at any time with anyone. I know this may seem daunting, but that's what this week's practice is for, to begin pressing into this rhythm of hearing and obeying to where dripping God eventually transforms from planning ahead on a sheet of paper to who we are as followers of Jesus. With that, guys, pray constantly. If you haven't started that prayer calendar that Drake introduced last week, praying for people by name in expectation is where we have to start. Remember, we can't bring the wind, so pray for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, for God to prepare the way in people's hearts and minds, for him to give you the words, the courage, the boldness. 
something I've started doing that has changed the game with all of this for me has been praying intentionally before I step into a space that could create opportunity to drip God. Before I go into the coffee shop or work, whatever, simply positioning my heart and mind to be ready for those moments and opportunities to drip God. Entering those spaces mindful, God is there and there might be someone he wants you to talk to. And guys, if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room today, I hope this conversation is encouraging to you, that you hear that before God wants anything from you, it's what he wants for you. And wherever you're walking in today, God wants to meet you right where you're at. He loves you. He is for you. And you are invited into a relationship with him where you will find unconditional love, grace, supernatural joy, unexplainable peace, and are then invited to join God in the work he's already doing. Remember from Matthew 11, Jesus first says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's his promise to anyone who believes in him. And he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Being a witness to the life of Jesus is not about obligation, but it's the natural overflow of experiencing and knowing the love that God has for you that you just can't help but share it with others. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for this community. It's a blessing and an honor to be a part of what you're doing here in Boulder. Thank you that we get to learn and grow alongside one another all through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray this week that you would show us the opportunities around us, the people you want us to reach and how you want to use us. God, open our eyes to see where you're working and help us learn how to hear from you and then teach us to obey. Thank you, Jesus, that before you ask anything from us, it's what you want for us. And even the things you do ask from us are for our good, designed to create the best life for us and those around us. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are for what you did for us, for the privilege of getting to share that with others. Keep equipping us to share how you changed our lives, and I pray that our stories, our boldness, would help to change lives the same way that someone else did for us. God, help us to be with you this week. Thank you, Jesus, that you promised that you are with us always. Thank you for your unconditional love for us, Lord. I pray that out of the overflow of that love, we would start to drip your life into the world around us, and that eventually this would transform from something that we do into who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.